I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 125 of Shades of Brown. Uh, this week, we have some uh, Apple news, but it's like very strange week for Apple news because it's it's not positive news entirely either, right? It's like sort of negative. I mean, one of them is actually just negative, And the other one is like mm, questionably thing. So the first thing... Uh, this happened when this was like sometime this like the, in the past like week or so it happened like all of a sudden um the Amazon uh Prime Video app right uh suddenly had these like it, you could you could do in-app purchases in in the app without going through Apple like you could purchase uh like a like a Prime Video subscription right with like using your Amazon account and Amazon like the, the payment details in your Amazon account instead of using like Apple Apple's payment system like it's it's not going through Apple so it's like directly through Amazon right yeah and for context with the um in app purchase system in iOS if you are selling physical goods to be shipped right like an Etsy store or Amazon or Walmart right or Uber Eats or like a grocery delivery app or whatever because it's physical like goods being sent apple doesn't require you have to use the in-app purchase model with a 30 percent cut but for all digital goods they require it uh so like renting movies right and like uh so now you can like like you can rent movies using so it's 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 sort of interesting because it's not completely well you can also sign up right for amazon prime video which is strange so you can't sign up for full on amazon prime but you can sign up for the cheaper amazon prime video so it says if your account like if there's a group that did like a detailed article on what conditions like it needs to be like if you already have a prime if you already have a prime subscription you can sign up for don't you already get prime video if you have amazon prime is that yep yep if you already have amazon prime it includes prime video oh okay so like i don't know what this means like if you do if your amazon account does not have a prime subscription yeah if amazon doesn't have a prime subscription so if you don't um, have a prime subscription you you can't you it'll have to be through the uh apple pay system right like through the apple's uh in-app purchase system and instead of like no, it's not if you have a Prime subscription. It's if there's a credit card on your Amazon account. Well, it's a fallback. It's a fallback, basically, right? Where if there is no payment system, you know, assigned or payment method rather assigned to an Amazon account, and you signed in because Amazon doesn't require you to have a payment, you know, method assigned to your account. You can create an Amazon account without having it. And let's let's. I'm going to read Apple's statement that they made on this, and it's it's very interesting because it says Apple has an established program for premium subscription video entertainment providers to offer a variety of customer benefits, including integration with the Apple TV app, AirPlay 2 support, TVOS apps, Universal Search, Siri support, and Wear app, applicable single or zero sign-on. So, established program, huh? Like, uh, apparently there were these, t- like, two other video apps that are also had it, like, already? Like, uh, like, a, I'm trying to find the name of those. Like, one of those Canal Plus or something like that. Like, it's like a, I think like a French, like, video provider, like, video, like, service. And, like, they, they just already had it and nobody knew about it. Um, and remember, there's another tier of this as well, because at least in the US, I don't know if it's rolled out to Canada yet, but in the Apple TV app, you can there subscribe for a special version of, um, third-party TV sources. So, like, for example, if I wanted to watch D- Daisy Samaro on, on Showtime or sign up for HBO, right? I can sign up through the Apple TV app for HBO or Showtime, and it's completely integrated in the TV app, and I can use that as my point of reference for getting the video. And on top of that, it uses a different CDN than what regular HBO and Showtime uses because it's if you stream it through the Apple TV app, you get, like, I think, like at least like a twenty five percent increase on bit rate of every stream. Interesting. And does that like does that payment does that Apple take a cut of that? Like is that like a no thing? one knows. Like, like no one will ever. That's like people on the on Twitter. A couple Apple bloggers were like, yeah, no one will tell us anything about that because they're afraid if they leak, Apple will just cut them out. Which it probably would, right? Probably, yeah. There's probably like NDAs involved here. Def- I mean, definitely NDAs. Involved. It's like the same and- terms as like Apple Arcade, right? Like no game dev would talk to anyone about the money split. Because Apple would likely just kick them out. 
Yeah, there's probably a very strict NDA on it, and they nobody wants to get on like if you're at Apple Arcade, yeah, like nobody wants to get on Apple's bad side on that one. Like you, you want to stay in Apple Arcade if you want. But the best part about this, right? It's like where it's like specific special customers can get this if they integrate properly, but it's only for video apps. That's the thing, right? Spotify does not get access to this. Netflix won't because Netflix doesn't want to integrate in the TV app. So essentially, what what Apple is doing is just incentivizing video providers to like support the Apple TV properly and have AirPlay 2 and like have TVOS apps and have like universal search and Siri support. Like they want like these video apps to do all that shit. And which is why they're, they're like basically dangling this carrot. He has like, if you do all these things, we, we, we will like have this, put you in this, uh, give you this entitlement on your app. Like it's like a certain specific entitlement on your app. And like you can, you can essentially get like, we, you can like get the full cut of your payment, right? Like of your subscription fees, which is like a hell of a carrot to dangle in, in front of a video subscription. Like is Disney going to get into this? Like at some point, like is Disney already like, a, like has anybody checked? Like, there's some interesting like apps that can't right like for example youtube like would youtube would it make sense to have like full youtube integration in the tv app probably not right but if google thinks it might be worth it to integrate all the shit into youtube they could technically be like youtube premium subscription if you could like i don't it's 16 bucks right now on ios but i think it's only 13 on the web it's it's more expensive to buy it through ios to get a youtube premium subscription so they could they could get into this like they they have us dangling this carrot and like it is a very attractive carrot because it it sort of it's like a is it it's a win for like the video provider in this case Amazon right and also like users in the Apple TV ecosystem get a win right like it's but it's it's it might not be a win for like specific companies right because the reason Netflix likely hasn't done it is I don't Netflix doesn't want their content to be on the same level as an HBO show right like their whole entire game is we're gonna get you sucked into our app so you continuously use the Netflix app right like to use my content marketer voice like this is a very brand negative move <laughs> oh god I hate that word already um so like it's like and the Prime Video app, that means that the Prime Video app is doing all these features, right? So it does all the TV app, the AirPlay two shit, the TVOS apps, right? Yeah, like actually, the Amazon Prime app is Prime Video app is actually not bad, right? But but at the same time, it's the issue is it's like they're only doing it for video apps, and I think um there's a Bloomberg article I'm going to go ahead and throw in the show notes. I think it's a good counter to it, which was the investigation, right, as to why no game streaming services have came to iOS yet, where essentially Apple's like licensing model and payment model won't allow for Microsoft to have xCloud on there because like the rules are if you want to do a game streaming service, it has to be basically Halo 5 is its own dedicated app that streams only Halo 5, right? There can't be like an xCloud app or a Stadia app that you just pick whatever games in your library and you streams it. And it has to be a first-party game too. It can't be licensed by Google or um, or or uh, Microsoft. It has to be essentially just like Bethesda for Doom Eternal, right? Would have to make a Doom Eternal Stadia streaming app that you log into if your Microsoft account, but is published by Bethesda. That is, that would imagine, imagine, imagine that. Like if you have, have to have a separate app for each game instead of using the Stadia app. Uh, oh God. This, this is why this, like whenever I remember I was, I think it was like the, like a Polygon show or the Verge cast where they mentioned GeForce now. And they're like, yeah, we've been trying to figure out why NVIDIA won't put put it on there. But every time we ask NVIDIA about why no iOS support, they're just like, go to Apple. Yeah, I mean, Apple is not, yeah, it's, it's like, it's uh, Apple is not allowing that business model. They don't want that because they want to pe- push people towards Apple Arcade, which is like... Uh, yeah, like the video benefits it because Apple realizes, right, that like Apple TV Plus won't ever have anything or have, have everything rather. But whereas if like Spotify, like why do they care about Spotify? Apple Music has the same content library, right? Why do they care about xCloud? Because the Apple Arcade makes them more money. Whereas like getting people on Apple TV Plus, like you people will subscribe to multiple video streaming services but like you a person would probably only like subscribe to say you know or not not no not video i'm talking about like other stuff app you either you're either spotify or apple music right there's no reason to have both or with gaming right like even most people probably either do like xbox live and that's it 
or PSN, uh, like a uh, PS Plus, right? Like it's not. Or if they're a PC gamer, right? it's like PC Steam and then like Nintendo Online or something, right? No one really subscribes to like multiple gaming services because it's just kind of a waste of money after a while. Right, right. So like right now I'm like not subscribed to any services except for Switch, but that's because I got like a year free for something. So I'm like... I'm a, uh, Twitch, remember, Twitch gave out the free year of uh, Nintendo's. Probably Twitch, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I don't even have Amazon Prime anymore, right? So I don't have Amazon Prime Video. Uh I have Office 365. I have, uh, like, I, I, I'm not subscribed to Xbox Live anymore. So, like, it's like, I'm only subscribed to, like, what, like Spotify for my music. And it's like a family plan. That's it. Uh, like, it's, I, I don't know. Like, the subscription stuff is, I feel like it just benefits, like, really large video providers. So that's why I was wondering, like, if Disney's going to get into this. Like, is Disney going to? I think Disney can maybe. Maybe I feel like what they're trying to do though is negotiate really good terms because the what um what Bloomberg was saying about this is not that they get no cut they get a very reduced um cut right it's that Apple takes like less than thirty percent but no one knows how much but they still take something and I imagine Disney wouldn't do this until they can guarantee it's like as close to zero as possible exactly I mean Disney and Apple has had a, always a pretty good strong relationship right i think that's the thing right uh so i would imagine disney's it's gonna happen at some point we're gonna hear about the disney thing soon enough i feel like but this is just like a this is like a great time for like an antitrust regulator to look into this because this is super sketchy because like you can't do this to amazon and then tell spotify to fuck off right like you yeah, Spotify's gonna Spotify's lawyers are just like writing it up, like writing up like the the lawsuit right now. Like, if I had like a meme of like the Spotify logo, I'd just put like cries in EU uh, EU Overwatch board. <laughs> oh my, yeah, they, I bet uh, Spotify's lawyers are salivating at this because they they can see it. You can see the antitrust shit here, and you can convince a regulatory board that this is some antitrust nonsense going on and yeah it is sketchy right although known uh, known friend of the podcast tim sweeney had the best tweet about it <laughs> oh no give me his, oh, i need to pull this up you're gonna enjoy oh, god. this tim sweeney tweets oh god bye why tim sweeney here we go tim sweeney i'm gonna go ahead and put it in the show notes so the tweet by tim sweeney reads congratulations to apple on their move towards opening up the ios app store to payment competition and congratulations to amazon for launching the first app to support developer provided billing for their digital goods on ios i love the i love the sarcasm and the like the the shit talking about how fortnite uh v bucks uh I guess you have to give Apple a cut of the V-Buck money, right? Uh, yeah, this is why on Android, Fortnite isn't in the Play Store anymore, right? To get Fortnite, you have to download a dedicated Fortnite launcher from Epic's website. Yep, and then then it, it like it just installs the uh, installs the APK, I guess, right? Uh, well, the reason like it's it's more streamlined on Android because I don't think you have to enable full permissions to install all unauthorized apps but because they there's like a couple of apis you can do where you can install third-party app stores right and so for the fortnite launcher acts as a third-party app store yep and it installs it just installs fortnite uh and so just that, so you can use a separate payment system because i don't yeah, want to give exactly. people 30 percent uh so tim's <laughs> yeah, okay all right so now like this thing has happened I, I mean, we should talk about the next thing that is in the news. And this yeah, um, basically, Android users don't deserve the weather. <sighs> that is okay. So the news is that uh, Dark Sky, which is uh, which is uh, both uh, both an app and also like a weather app and also uh, a weather API. So they have this really popular API that they sold to. Uh, like anybody who need, wants to make like a weather app could buy like access to the API, right? Yeah, and the thing about Dark Sky is that they, it was really good in North America. It's not that great worldwide, but for North America, I've I've not used it. I, I've never used Dark Sky myself. I always use the default weather app in iOS. But like the nice part about Dark Sky is it did hyper like visit hyper local weather where essentially right if say if it's going to rain it'll tell you hey it's going to rain in X amount of minutes and it's expected to last for like 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever right and you can get a lot of like great notifications for super hyper specific and hyper local weather trends and it was really good at that 
in the US and Canada and mostly just North America, but a lot of weather apps you took advantage of it and they had their own app and Apple just bought it. Apple has, Apple has, yes, Apple has bought dark, uh, dark sky. And so the, the, this is what is going to happen. I'm going to like lay down the, the timelines here. So uh, the iOS app will, it will, there'll be no changes to the dark like iOS app right now. And it'll be, it'll continue to be available, f- uh, for purchase in the app store. Uh, the Android and Wear OS app will no longer be available for download and service to existing users and subscribers will continue until July 1st, 2020, at which point the app will be shut down. Subscribers who are still active at that time will receive a refund. Uh, the website uh, it says weather forecast maps and embeds will continue until July 1, 2020. The website will remain active beyond that time in support of API and iOS app customers. And the API itself is going to be shut down sometime next year. Yeah, so the API service for existing customers is not changing right now, but they will no longer accept new signups for the, I guess, for the API subscriptions. And the API will continue to function through the end of 2021. And also, and additionally, is that the, 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 uh, use of the dark sky uh, app is now like subject to the apple privacy policy which is obviously uh like a thing right it's the just one good thing out of this <laughs> just, just the right? one good thing so <laughs> let's talk about this because i i think this one this story kind of like i feel android like a lot of android users were rightfully very very pissed uh they were like okay fuck apple they just bought this app and now they're gonna kill the fucking android app right you remember sparrow the, the the email app the mail app that Google did the same thing to, this is a repeat of that. Yeah, and and the, the worst part is the API sh- like uncertainty here, right? Like the API being shutting down through the like mid- end of twenty twenty one, right? Like like so, and a lot of apps use the API, right? A lot of weather apps are not. All I saw on Twitter when this is announced is like a bunch of developers being like, thank God I spent a month getting this app to work with other weather IPIs. Yeah, it's like now if your app doesn't work with with uh, with, with any other uh, weather API, you're kind of fucked right now because like you better figure out if like it's not like you have you have some time to figure out a, like an alternate solution or what do you want to do? Like you, do you want to just like, sh- like stop selling your app or whatever? Like if your app is so integrated into dark skies api that you you really cannot pivot then well uh i guess some apps are going to go away right like some this is the thing like the, it's going to have this like domino effect on some of these apps that are like maybe not maintained or like doesn't make enough money to justify further development into a new api uh, new integrations like those apps are going to go away and i think more so is that the dark sky api had a fixed cost right and some developers say they have a subscription in their app piece while there's well i think subscription fatigue is something we've talked about i actually don't mind it for weather apps because i understand that like whether they're most of the money probably goes to just paying goes to the, the subscription the api for the api yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so like that's mm-hmm. never been something that's yeah. bothered me but there's a likely start changing the pricing of some apps that are at least popular in north america because they're now going to move to say accuweather weather underground another api service and the pricing changes Mm-hmm. And they might have to increase. They, they might have to increase prices too because well, I, I'm not like familiar with AccuWeather and like other APIs like costs. But they, I, I, I would suppose they would probably increase their API costs because they now have like a sort of like a monopoly in this market. There aren't, there aren't many of these APIs, by the way. Well, the thing about APIs is like there's one that's good for like a specific thing, right? Like Dark Sky was good for super hyper local stuff in North America, and then other APIs are better for like worldwide coverage. And it's so it just it probably just puts a bunch. It's probably put a bunch of work on a a lot of developers of independent weather apps. And who knows? Maybe that might be a market that might go away a little bit. And like yeah, so there's gonna be that ripple effect across all these like Android and iOS apps that use Dark Sky's APIs. And the Android app going away is all just fucks over Android users completely. Like that's just and to make it even better for iPhone users, Apple still charges five bucks for the Dark Sky app, even though they bought it. They didn't make it free. Like, I, I what's the point? You own it now. Like, why are you, like, why are you charging it? Right? Because you're probably going to integrate it into like the iOS 15 weather app, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's what I'm wondering. Like, what are they gonna like? I, yeah, that's what's gonna happen with the uh, or, like right now. They're using Weather Channel, right? Or like, I guess that's like AccuWeather or like no, they're using Yahoo Weather. Like, or are these? Oh, what is Weather? Let me open up the Weather app because I know the oh, they're using the Weather Channel. But actually, so it's part of the reason I think they bought this is that the Weather Channel is actually shutting down their API, and so that might be a reason that Apple went ahead and. So that's the play. So they are just going to buy another API that they can, and they, this time they're going to just buy the API company, right? Like they're just going to buy it. Oh, uh, so that's the play. I mean, why did they have to shut down the Android app? But like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like if it's, it's better to shut it down than rather to leave it unmaintained, I guess. Like I, I don't know. Like, but it just sucks over Android users. I, it's not great. It's, it's, it's not great. Um, and the thing too of Android is like, there's actually not a Google default first party weather app. You get, so you can go ahead and obviously, you know, hit the Google Assistant up and type in weather and you get the weather card. And you could also open up Google News and get weather through there. But there actually isn't a dedicated weather app. I know Samsung has like a default one, but Google does not make, Google doesn't make their own default weather app. So right now for like Android users, you kind of just kind of have to like go through the Play Store and pick a third party app. Right. Like when I, when I search for weather in Google, it gives me a card, right? And it's like from weather.com. So, um, Google, hello? Uh, so like. Well, actually, so, so actually, let me, actually, I'm on DuckDuckGo. I was about to be like, oh, Google uses Dark Sky. Actually, oh, DuckDuckGo uses Dark Sky. I guess rip, rip weather and DuckDuckGo. <laughs> rip weather and DuckDuckGo, I guess. Yeah. Like if DuckDuckGo is using, uh, the Dust Sky API, rip, rip, uh. Well, I mean, obviously the, the API is shutting down from what I've, what I heard. I think it was like on under the radar or ATP they're mentioning that. But at the same time, I imagine that Google and Apple probably could get secure contracts for it. But likely, I guess Apple found that buying their own weather service was cheaper than paying Weather Channel for like a specific API. Exactly. They just figured they might as well just buy dark. Cause I imagine if you're, if you're Weather Channel and you're powering all of the Google search results, you could probably make a good amount of money just selling that API. So even if they're shutting down like a consumer one or rather a developer one, I I think they probably make a, a specific exception for Google. Yeah, yeah, like big provide. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, this is still not great, and and, and I get people are mad at this, and uh, it's like it is not. It's not great. It's it's never great when the shit. The best part about it, um, Beats when Apple bought Beats Music, right? Guess what's still on Android? Apple Music. There are Apple made apps on android and and yeah and that's the thing maybe maybe they just decided that it's not worth it i maybe they did some like i'm saying android users don't deserve weather you got to buy an iphone to get encryption um you can only get you can only get weather on iphones now (laughs) that's god what a fucking world okay so that's that's our that's our apple news segment of the week and it is like not I mean, some like this Apple stuff is like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, let's talk about the most interesting uh, topic, which is <laughs> uh, new uh, Intel and Intel uh, laptop CPUs, and there's also new NVIDIA uh, laptop GPUs as well. So they are both doing this right now. Um, so Intel unveiled what, like the tenth generation H series uh, laptops chips which so like to, to explain intel's naming convention though right m are their lower spec fanless models u are the regular ones like the macbook pro has a u series and then h are essentially the higher end can be don't have like a can can technically be overclocked if there's enough cooling in it right or they can run at higher frequencies and it's sort of like that three tiers of power so there's new 10th generation um, H series chips. I5, I7s, and I9s, right? Uh, but the problem is, these are based off of 14 nanometer, not 10 nanometer, which means that an H series chip with a with the 14 nanometer process has a slower GPU integrated into it than a U series, a 10 nanometer chip. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's the, the it's a it's a UHD six twenty which is like 
inferior Not, to the Ice Lake Iris, Iris Plus on yeah, the, Iris on the Ryzen 4000 Vega, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you, in theory, could spend you know two thousand dollars on a Razer laptop. I mean, no, no, wait, hold up, hold up. So these these high end chips, you're not going to use them in stuff without a discrete GPU. Like you're gonna like this is for gaming laptops, right? Like this is for. Well, ga- I mean, think about it like this: if you're using it in a computer that's meant for productivity, right? Like you, a computer that runs Photoshop does not need the world's best GPU. If you're if we're talking about one, it's like I think I feel like these these chips are meant for laptops that are going to have discrete GPUs, right? Like either like uh like a, like probably like an Nvidia Quadro GPU or like uh or like an Nvidia Mobile GPU that we're going to talk about later, right? Like so, but like, at the same time, like you have the you have the GPU switching in Windows, so obviously like you're not going to be you're not going to be spinning up your dedicated GPU all the time, and you you know it'd be nice to have a a better GPU for that's because be- it's not just power, right? The it's power consumption as well. So if you're not if you're just using Google Chrome, right, and running all the hot Electron apps on Windows, you 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 would want your battery, yeah, you want your You'd want your battery life to last longer by using a more power efficient GPU rather than an older generation, slower and more power hungry one. And I mean, at least at least you get uh, Wi-Fi six support on this chip, and uh, you apparently can put the DDR four two nine three three RAM, which is up to one twenty eight gigs. Which is I don't know if, if you can put one twenty eight gigs in the laptop. I like that's a lot of RAM for a laptop. Um, also, as well, when they say the these break five gigahertz, I think we it, we need to mention like what that means because these don't run at a sustained clock of five gigahertz. It's it's more similar to how AMD does things, where it will these chips will boost as long as you have enough cooling for it. So in theory, if you put like a liquid nitrogen cooler on this, you could probably get five gigahertz consistently. Like, I mean, this is it th- theoreticals, right? That's why they're saying it could boost up the five gigahertz. But likely what this does is it goes like you open up Google Chrome. Obviously, it's going to cause your CPU to spike the five gigahertz because it's Google Chrome or you're installing the hot new Discord update. So, you know, obviously, let's spike up the five gigahertz because we need all the power to power our web app. And then... Once the fans kick in, it'll probably throttle down to like a sustained clock of three, three something gigahertz. Yeah, 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 exactly. So like, it's like the base clock is like looking at like 2.4 to 2.7, right? Depending on which model you get, uh, which is like not, not like a lot of variation in there. And which is, I mean, uh, the, the, do people really buy max like these cores with the maximum single core turbo frequency in mind? I don't know. Uh, if you're a gamer, you would. Because it ga- most games p- benefit from really good single core performance rather than a multi core performance. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, it's becoming slightly less true, but it is still probably mostly true. Uh, also, Photoshop, Photoshop as well, heavily pr- like the what, what's the the pro gamer CPU, right? The Core i nine ninety nine hundred K, like that that one still is the best Photoshop performer, even when all the AMD chips right are doing laps on any other tasks. Photoshop still works best on that one because it's been architected to be so single threaded. Yeah. So you get like if you have a max uh, like you have that turbo frequency up and it's like it's doing work. Uh and it's like you get like good cache amounts as well, like 16 megabytes of uh what is it like L L one cache, right? Uh Right, so it's like you'd be surprised. L1 cache is very, very useful. Uh, the higher you have, it's obviously the better. Um, Although it does support Optane as well, which is nice. I don't think most. I don't think there's a lot of laptops that use Optane. I don't. I don't think any laptops. I don't. Maybe there are laptops that support Optane. Uh, I think my motherboard supports Optane technically. I, I don't know. Actually, it doesn't matter really. But like, it's there. Optane is like the cache thing. Like it's like you put like. Uh, what is it? I can't remember what Optane is. Uh, it's basically like it, it's like an SSD cache for your hard drive, right? So, like, if you um, let's say for example, you know, you you build a new PC, so you got like a super fast M.2 drive that's only like two hundred fifty six gigs. You know, you put your boot drive. Um, you know, you put your f- most frequently accessed anime OSTs, and then you have a game <laughs> drive, right, where you you know have all your four hundred gigabyte games because that's how big games are nowadays. So if an Optane chip on the motherboard, what it'll do is, let's say you play a lot of um, Love Live or Osu, right? And, and you know, so the system will realize these are frequently accessed files. Let's go ahead and throw it on the cache of the Optane cache. So while 
technically there's still a copy that lives on the hard drive. It's been duplicated onto the cache and it's seamless to the system. And so when the system goes to access those bytes, address, you know, address them on the hard drive, it'll pull it from the cache first because it lives there. And it'll be faster because it is like a SSD. Yeah, it's a full on SSD. Which is pretty, I mean, it's uh, like, it's not a new idea and it has existed. There has been, uh, hard drives with like SSD caching built in, uh, for a while. Apple still, for some reason, on the expensive IMAX ships a SSD HD, they call them, or fusion drive. God, those are so garbage. Uh, really just put SSD in them. Anyways, so we have this new Intel chips. 10th gen. All right. I'm lo- losing track of the names. This is comment like each series. Okay. Uh, Basically, big chip, slow GPU. Big, big, big chips, little <laughs> GPU. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there are, I mean, to be fair, there's no comparisons with like current parts uh, right now, and this is just Intel slides. Well, the the new AMD um, G- CPUs are now shipping in some laptops, and early tests are that the power consumption to performance ratio are really good on the new AMD mobile chips, where. Because obviously it's AMD, everything is now cooling based. Where it's you know you as as long as a laptop cannot thermal throttle or hit the peak temperature rate where it needs to scale back, it'll run as fast as it can. And because of that, AMD is now they they've been able to bring over their desktop Zen two architecture to mobile, and it still gets really good power consumption, and you get really good performance. And of course, since it's AMD, the GPUs are far better on the on the integrated side of of, of it. Let's talk about the GPUs. Let's talk about the new NVIDIA GPUs then, right? Like, so we have new NVIDIA laptop GPUs now, right? These are the quote-unquote Max-Q GPUs. What the fuck is that branding? Ah, I swear to God. Max-Q is like desktop performance, but with like a super low profile. I don't know. Right, right. Okay, so like uh, RTX... Uh, RTX 2080 Super, RTX 2070 Super, and uh, GTX 160, 1650 Ti, right? And like, there are some updates to some other SKUs, uh, like 2070, 2060, 1660 Ti, and 1650, right? And like, these are all on the uh, Turing 12 nanometer architecture that the NVIDIA uses, right? Uh, what's the what's the thing that is they're talking about this time? They're talking about DLSS, right? Deep learning super sampling is the is the feature that they're talking about, which is which which is what which is like using. You remember how we were talking about um direct the direct XML um when we we're talking about the Xbox One, where it's basically you actually there's a really good digital foundry video on control where they they the rendering the game at 580 or 540p right internally but then super sampling it up using DLSS to 1080p and they found that it like runs it looks just the same as a native 1080p so that's like i mean that's a pretty cool tag but like it is like game specific like the nvidia has to implement it for you right like you have to like give your game to nvidia and then like write the machine models like the it's restricted to like certainly like you have to give your code or rather your game to to Nvidia to get them to support it. Like it's not like you can just do it. Like it's not like a it's not a, like an open API of anyone. It's it's still pretty proprietary in some ways. Uh so like it is and also it's exclusive obviously to the RTX cards, right? So if you have the GTX cards you don't you don't get that, uh by the way. So you need the RTX cores for this, uh guess. I mean I'm curious. Well, not, no no it's not the RTX cores, it's it's um ML cores, right? It's like how yeah, it's like it's like how on the iPhone, right? It has like a dedicated coprocessor just for running machine learning tasks, which really, I guess, if you think about it, is just like a specific instruction set for like a specific kind of math that really would be just ran on that chip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Uh, control. I mean, control is like I'm, I'm curious actually to look at the uh, like the 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 digital foundry video. The digital foundry video basically found that if you had a if you had a 2060 Super, right, and you wanted to run the game 1440p, 1080p with all the RTX settings on, DLSS will get you with 60 frames per second. Whereas just running at full resolution because of RTX, you won't hit a full 60 frames per second. Interesting. Interesting. I'm curious. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't really want to reinstall control right now, but like... Well, there's a uh, new... I thought you were going to play the new expansion. I mean, I might, but I also have other games to finish. Uh, so it's like, I don't want to get into it, but like... I'm curious whenever I get time to look at the new, like the DLSS stuff in control. Like, uh, control has always been like a very visually 
uh, interesting game, even with the without the RTX uh, stuff turned on. Right, it looks very very good. Uh, so I think I think the thing though that's more interesting about these GPUs is really not the gaming side because we know how it's going to perform for gaming um, tasks, but. It's it's more of that Nvidia as well too. They have the new studio drivers, right? Where they they have like two presets you can now use for your card, where you can either have it in a gaming like optimized driver set and a studio one that's meant for workstation applications. Right. That's I think that's that's been I don't think that's new. I think this has been happening for a- well. So there's been like a it's been the past couple of months. There's been laptops now shipping with studio tuned drivers as they call them, right? Ah, uh, okay. So it's the laptop. Okay, so cool. So like, um, Asus with their Zephyrus line, right? Like, you know, the the Republic of Gamers, like super aggressive lap ROG. Yeah, those ones. They've been actually shipping more subdued models of them that are meant more for graphics work. So instead of having like a super low re- or super low um, response rate display, they have one that's really high color accuracy and high resolution, but they still have like the same gamery parts in them, but they're just like tuned more for professional work. And I think that's the interesting part, right? Because I imagine like this with like one of those 10th generation Intel chips, probably is a pretty powerful little laptop there for doing actual work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they already have some laptops that are coming up, right? They provided a list of like $1,000 laptops that are going to have like uh, RTX 2060 Max-Q built in, right? Like, That's actually not that bad of a price then for like a full computer. The, yeah, it's like uh, Acer Nitro 5, Asus uh, ROG Strix G15, HP Omen 15, Lenovo Legion. There are two Lenovo Legion models and one MSI laptop. So like there's a fair amount of OEMs on board, right? Because uh, like right now, most gaming laptops... It's either the super expensive ones have the RTX cards, but there's a big gap where it goes from 1650, 1660, and like the Razer Stealth, Razer Blade models, and then it jumps all the way up to a Max Q 2060 or 2070. And it was usually far more expensive than 999. So I think actually some of it's moving down market, which actually sounds pretty good then. Cause I would, if I was in the market for a laptop right now, like a, like a Razer laptop, right? With, yeah, Razer gaming laptop. Like I would imagine Razer is going to be on this soon. with like a, a, a 2060 and like one of them 10th generation chips, like a Core i7. That actually sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Like one of those Asus ROG laptops, like if they don't look hideous. Uh, I mean, they actually don't look that hideous. Well, the studio ones, they're like silver, right? So like, imagine like the gamer design, but they box it off more and it's fully silver. I'm looking at the Asus, uh, the uh, ROG Strix uh, G15, right? And it looks... De- I mean, if you turn off the LEDs, it looks pretty good. If you turn off the gamer LEDs. Uh, yeah, and you look at the Razer Blade Advance, right? It's the first one on the hero image of the uh, Ars Technica piece. That's silver. That's not a bad look for a laptop. That looks like a MacBook game, like a MacBook Pro <laughs> a little bit, right? It's like a 15... It looks like a, like a big MacBook Pro. Uh, I just, like, it's... The HP stuff looks still kind of ugly, if I'm being honest. It's very... Uh, you know, looking at all these laptops that are announced, I think Razer honestly has the nicest looking one. Yeah, which is like... Imagine have Razer having the nicest design in in 2020, uh, which is uh, just great. Uh, what else is there? Is there anything else to talk about with these things? I, I don't think as much. Like it's all these. These are just announcements right now. Like uh, nothing. Yeah, is none sh- of them are shipping. I think at the moment, or they're starting to ship. I think it's just more of that. I don't know. Like these, it's a good time now to buy like laptops. I mean that Ace, that that Acer laptop looks pretty dope too. But I don't know. I, I don't. I don't trust Acer for some reason. Uh, you know, so, I just like me over here. I'm just crying in thermal thro- thermal throttling MacBook Pro land. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should get one of these uh, Razer laptops and become a true PC gamer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, if I get one of these Razer laptops with the new core processor and, and a NVIDIA chip on it, guess what I get? Native VP9 decoding for 4K playback. So it'll make my fan sound like a jet engine. All right, let's talk about that. Let's, let's move on to the next topic, right? The last topic of the day. Uh, it's, uh, we're talking about Doom Eternal and this time Doom Eternal, not like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I can talk about it, but like, I, uh, well, I guess we have like two parts. So we can talk about the game and then I can, I have like some technical stuff that I want to talk about. So maybe we start with like the technical stuff and then we go on to the, the game itself. All right, so you're playing Doom Eternal on Google Stadia, right? So let us yeah. tell us the story about how you got <laughs> back into Google Stadia and why you got back into Google Stadia and why you're playing Doom Eternal in the worst 
platform possible. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, oh, well, well, I guess the Switch port isn't out yet. <laughs> yeah, it's not out yet, so we can't play it yet. So technically, right now. So let's let's do a, a brief history of of Doom games and me. <laughs> so when Doom 2016 came out, I didn't actually play it on Xbox. I, I there's a sale I think on the eShop back when I had my Switch. And I was at work bored, so I downloaded it and play, started playing it during my lunch. Oh my god. And I think I've talked about how like Doom 2016 on the Switch is it works. You know, like it's it works. It the game runs. The game definitely runs, but does not run well. It's a very aggressive dynamic resolution. It hits 30-ish FPS most of the time. Like, you know, like underscore underscore italicize and bold that ish <laughs> i bet i bet like good digital foundry might have done like a video on the studio that one, on, the, on the switch versions oh no digital foundry did one they used they used doom 2016 as their threshold for overclocking the switch it's like one of the problem games that every time they do like a new switch overclock comes out they come back to it and they're like okay so let's how does this perform how does this improve performance like can we get a steady 720p or 1080p 30 on this now super interesting stuff but so i played it through there and i beat it and you know it's it was a good game by all by all uh, yeah yeah it's 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 a good game but just i think your experience was a little suboptimal uh, suboptimal <laughs> and i think you, you i don't think you fully enjoyed the uh what the game had to offer with on the switch i think uh i think that's fair to say i think that's fair to say true true but but so with um so doom eternal comes out right and i had a choice I have an Xbox One X sitting behind me. I could get it there, or I could try it on Stadia. <laughs> or, or I mean, of course, of course, you get it on the worst platform. This is <laughs> this is this is Shades of Brown, and this is Chosa. So, like, you have to do it the worst, most inefficient, most. <laughs> so, why? I guess it begs the question, or brings up the question of why? Why back to streaming games? So, I'm pretty sure one of my Xbox hard drives is going bad. That's firstly. Oh, rip. Rest in peace. Yeah. So, it's it's clicking loudly now. Oh, that's, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's, that's I was using it as a time machine backup, and then, like, it started clicking, so I plugged in the Xbox, tried using it there for a while to see, I don't know, maybe, like, there's too much activity being, of, of dis, um, stuff being written to it, right, as a time machine backup. That, it started failing on the Xbox, so I'm... I now have one, you know, external hard drive. It's a four terabyte model, and I would much rather it be used for, um, for time machine, right, rather than just games. So I have, I don't want to buy another hard drive right now. Like I already have like a good four terabyte one, right, and I don't really need four terabytes of games installed at one time. I I barely play games as is. Like I'm not. My life isn't going to be better just for having four games ready or four terabytes of games locally ready to go. Also, in a world where band, bandwidth caps exist, I don't want to have all those updating. So. Like, you know, I'm just kind of sick of hard drives. Like, I'm sick of games taking... The problem is me and you now play a lot of Destiny on on GeForce now. And you know what's great? Playing games off an SSD where you hit a button and it doesn't load. Once you go, once you stop using a hard drive, it's so hard to go back. And every time I turn on this Xbox, every time I turn it on, it's just like it takes like five minutes for me to load up Destiny 2 from me turning on the Xbox to getting in. Yeah. Yeah, it takes me like 30 seconds, maybe. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, and I'm just, and it takes even faster with like Stadia or GeForce now. Yeah, exactly. So, so I've given, I've, I'm just like, I'm over these high wait times. I'm over downloading games and managing games. Like, it, I find this to be the analog between buying a lot of music in Flack and having a nice setup and then also just streaming music on Spotify. Different use cases. But there's like, you know, there's there's a place in time for each. Yeah, I do both, but like I use it, like the use cases are different. Like I don't put Flacks on my phone, right? I have Spotify on my phone and I also have like uh, the Flacks I have on my, like on my archive, local archive, I convert them into like high quality MP3s, right? And put them on my phone. Right. I'm not, but I know I get that. It's also like it goes with you wherever you want. Right. Like this is something I, you know, back when we were able to go outside, like having, <laughs> having Stadia. I remember like when I was, um, doing some classes earlier in the year, just like whenever I was bored, just like whip out the Xbox controller and I'm in a game. Like that's still a powerful move. So, you know, I'm just like trialing it now. I resubscribed to Stadia. Um, the reason I didn't pick it up on GeForce now is honestly just because GeForce now there's no Bethesda games on there. So I can't get it for on Steam and use it on GeForce now. So I decided to pick it up on Stadia. And honestly, there's not much difference. Um, 
Doom Eternal runs at the same quality settings as Xbox One X on Stadia, which I think is like a 75% 4K, which is good enough, right? Like, honestly, like that's 60 frames per second, 75% 4K, more than fine. Like, there wouldn't have been that big of jumps anyways if I had gotten the PC version. Um, you know, running over streaming, there's not a huge difference there, so it doesn't, didn't matter to me. So I picked it up on Stadia, decided to, to get back into that, and it runs well. Like, you know, the issue I had before was poor frame rate and poor resolution. This resolution's fine, obviously, because it's uh, it's being downsampled for my t- for the 1080p stream I get running Stadia right now, since I, I don't have a 4K TV or 4K monitor. So that's fine, and the bitrate's good enough. It's just more of it's it's the issues with the network, right? Like it, it's not it's not that bad because I think uh, did you watch any of the video? I have a video in the show notes of about 14 minutes of gameplay. Um, it's 1080p 60. Um, so the frame rate matches. Resolution is not as important. But if you go towards six minutes and 20 seconds in, there's a it switches to one of those challenge modes where you go ahead and you have to defeat a room of enemies. Oh, I can I I can see the frame drops. Yeah, you can see the drops there because that's not frame drops in the game, right? Those are drops in the stream. Oh, uh, yeah. And so, it's, and this is more of the issue I'm running into. It's not that the game's not responsive. It's just that there's packet loss on my network. And obviously, this would be, you know, this would be fixed with an Ethernet cord, right? Like, all those issues would go away as soon as I plugged it for Ethernet. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. I mean, if it's, yeah, if it's like, if you're on Wi Fi, like, I'm not going to blame Stadia for that one. Like, this is, like, it's very hard. I mean, it's Wi Fi. Yeah. Right? And that, that's rare, though. That's only, there's only about, three noticeable drops i counted in 14 minutes of gameplay yeah 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 i'm just watching this footage right now and it seems mostly fine yeah it's like- it, it, you can you get to like a, a skip here and there but it doesn't impact gameplay right because it's because while the stream might skip out like a frame a it's not too noticeable when you have a 60 fps refresh rate and also the input itself being sent to the to the to stadia right isn't cutting out with it the input's still getting there so i'm not it's not really hurting input latency there so I'm having a far better time playing this than I am playing playing it on the Switch. Yeah. That's it and I mean like the game itself like it's a super twitchy shooter. Like so obviously you probably have the best time with your high refresh rate monitor and nice wired mouse and um good internal storage. Actually I think you were streaming it. It ran consistently above 144 frames per second, right? I I think I actually I don't remember the average frame rates. Like I I forget this. I don't even look at the frame rates. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, because I was looking at the counter when you were streaming it, and it looked to be around one forty four most of the time. Yeah, it's like it drops. I think it drops from one forty four because I have it at max settings uh, on forty forty p right. So I, which is not a big deal because I have uh I have a G sync monitor, so it's not like a problem if the game is. Like not consistently 144. Like it's not a big deal. Like I don't notice any tearing or whatever because G Sync takes care of the tearing. Um, like it's yeah, it's it's smooth as smooth for me, and like the game looks fantastic. It's a visually extremely stunning. By the way, like there are some later game areas that are like honestly incredible to look at. Uh, so gameplay wise, I mean, I I still maintain. Uh, I'm, I haven't quite finished the game, but I'm like near the last few levels or last level. And like, it's still the Marauder that's fucking like killing the game for me. Like, honestly, the Marauder, every time the Marauder, like every time I'm like enjoying the flow of the game and like getting into like the whole rhythm of it. And it's like, and the game's like, here, I'm going to throw in a Marauder now. And the game's flow is like completely fucked. Like it's, incredible how like every time i'm playing this game and like the murder shows up i'm like fuck like i'm not like gonna enjoy this bit of the game like it's just and this is why like i'm like downgrading this fucking video game like to a seven out of ten from an eight out of ten <laughs> i've ran into the martyr and it's it's not great i had my first encounter it's it's a bad time yeah it's not like you you've, if you've encountered it already yeah it's like it's not a good fucking and like, it's not a good time like and guess what like i i think you guys watched this on stream on friday uh i was playing this and uh i was fighting uh, a marauder in this level and the marauder stun locked me right into a corner like i couldn't get out of the stun lock and i died it's basically like an insta death there there's nothing you can do to get out of that if you get insta if you get stun and then i basically quit the game at that point i was like fuck this i'm not, i'm going to come back to it later because this is this is pissing me off. And like, and last night I was, I was playing some more levels and I was, I was doing some more 
Um, and I got past that point and then into another, another level. And this time the Marauder shows them this time, actually what happened was the game bugged out. There was a bug. So what happened was my screen went completely black. Like there was no UI elements. Like it went completely bad. The game was still like the game loop was still running. So like I was taking damage from the Marauder, but I couldn't see, see it or like shoot at it or like see my gun or like any other element. So I just like died to that bug because I couldn't do anything because I couldn't see anything. Uh, and then, then I was like, okay, fine. That I guess I, I guess I'm done with the game for tonight because like I don't want to do that again. Uh, that's, that's not a great time to fight the Marauder because like, any other, like, if it was, like, any other enemies, I was, like, fighting other enemies, and I bugged out, I was like, okay, fine, okay, whatever. Like, the game bugged out, and I was like, I have to start from the checkpoint. But, like, if I, I'm fighting the Marauder, and, like, it's that's happening to me, I'm already in a bad mood, so I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't want to fight it. No, I, I agree. But then I think this game, too, for me, it gets, like, exhausting to do a long play session of. I did, like, three hours of it, right? And I'm kind of like, I need to... Obviously, I mean, like, three hours of playing a game is a lot, but, you know, huh, I can't go outside. But, like, it, it, I was like, you know, I'll just play a Doom Eternal for most of the day yesterday, like, most of the night, rather. I got my work done. And I'm just like, I can't... I had to, like, switch to, like, a, a low-energy game like Destiny because it's just, like, it's so involved. Yeah, exactly. It's like... if So this is... This is, this is the thing. There's a synergy between Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal is real. Like what I do is like, if I play like a bit of Doom Eternal, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to uh, stop and play some, play some Animal Crossing, you know, like got, the synergy is real. Like you, you use this Animal Crossing as your chill game. And then, yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's an exhausting game to play. Like that's the thing. Like a level is pretty strong, like pretty intense. Like you're constantly moving, you're constantly doing stuff. Uh, and like the game requires a lot of like, focus right because if you fuck up it's pretty easy to die the game doesn't like you have to really lower the difficulty to the lowest difficulty to make the game more forgiving but like at the at the level slightly higher than the lowest one it's still like if you fuck up even basic enemies can fuck you up right like it's it's just it it is unforgiving and like there are like definitely some weird movement related bugs that i've seen like the stun lock thing right i don't i don't know if the stun lock behavior is like bad luck on my part or like the game just kind of weirdly like the physics uh a little bit buggy out i don't know but uh, the marauder creates all sorts of weird bugs like that i don't know so yeah seven out of ten still like i'm probably gonna finish the game probably tonight i don't know if i want to finish it right now i don't know if i want to f- play the game again tonight maybe it will Let's see if i can finish this fucking video game uh, Although I'm in a great place with with going back in the stadium just for Destiny, because on PC I get destroyed, right? Because everyone's using mouse and keyboard, and I I refuse to play games of a mouse and keyboard because um I I you know I was raised right. <laughs> I'm kidding, <laughs> but but the thing is because of Stadia's player base. There's not a lot of veteran Destiny 2 players who main Stadia. They mostly go to PC. So you know what? I'm I'm just destroying in Crucible right now using the weapons I want. This game has become fun because I can play how I want and be really good because of how much I play the game. Which is like, if I was on any other platform, right? I have to play the meta. But on a platform where it's all fucking new players, they don't know the meta. So I can use whatever I want. Oh, no. Man, I feel bad for anybody who gets mastered with it because you're getting they're gonna get fucking destroyed. Uh, it's, oh, they're getting absolutely wrecked, and it's beautiful. Uh, oh god, enjoy your uh, PvP wins, I guess. I mean, enjoy sure. it until Bungie realizes the player population so low they're gonna have to merge it with PC, and then at that point, I'm fucked. Yeah, then then the PC players are gonna fucking destroy you. Yeah, so. So like yeah, I mean Stadia. Like I'm, I'm seeing like this, the the uh, Stadia version of Doom Eternal is fine, um, which I'm, I'm I guess not entirely surprising. I guess the Stadia fans on the Stadia subreddit are uh, very happy about that one. They- oh my god, we actually need to talk about this drama before we go. So Digital Foundry did a you know an analysis of Doom Eternal and Stadia as they you know as expected, and. <laughs> The entire Stadia subreddit lost their collective shit because they thought they're like, oh, you know, the Digital Foundry or their anti-Stadia, anti-Stadia <laughs> stance, their standard, they have bias. <laughs> and and some like a bunch of YouTubers like posted like takedowns of Digital Foundry and their false claims. <laughs> what? 
I, like people, a bunch of people started posting their input latency measurements just to prove Digital Foundry was wrong. I, I think there are many things you can like, I mean, there are things to criticize with Digital Foundry, but doing inaccurate measurements or like, like they really go into it. Like they are. And they even with Stadia, they give it the benefit of the doubt. They have a fiber line. They always test Stadia on a fiber line, which is for anyone in America, you are definitely not playing Stadia on a fiber line unless you live in like Massachusetts, New York, or San Francisco. There's like a few cities. Yeah. Like you don't have Google Fiber or another fiber company, right? It's like there are very few people who can, like, that's the thing I was like, I, the only thing that I've always said is there's a, like a very small percentage of people who can actually, get the most benefit out of like the the best experience in stadia and those are the people that don't need stadia right if you have like a full like i mean don't need stadia like they might want it like if if you have a like a high speed uh, like fiber to the home connection and you have like a console already or like uh or like a gaming pc like why there's like no reason for you to get stadia unless you like travel a lot and you want to do that and then 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 your experience with stadia is, isn't as going to be as good if you as you're on your home connection right so it's like i that's the thing with stadia it's like the people who do need it who do who could want it and are the target market don't necessarily have the best environment to run the uh the system on like it's uh it's, it's, it's a- yeah this is like why with me like i was saying with like the with the cuts like it honestly depends on the time of day when i recorded this someone else was watching netflix here right like people were and that and considering the amount of chatter it's on the network that's actually not that bad no no, no, no it's handling pretty well yeah yeah um yeah like when i when i look at it if i if i take into consideration because obviously if i play this at night when it's not a peak well i guess nighttime now is more of a peak hour just because of how the world is but you know if i play it at an off peak hour i honestly never have much of an issue with it so like i that's what I'm, yeah it's like if you put it on like if you put this if you're studio on an ethernet right then like i bet doom eternal runs pretty damn well right yeah uh and, and you also get the benefit of you know it running on on like someone else's uh good gpu and cpu right so you get like good looking because if i tried playing this on the macbook right we'd be back in eGPU hell which i don't think any of us want to talk um, about um no 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 no, <laughs> no 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 but you get what i mean like it's obviously like as i as i i say of most things right like it's not for you but it's fine for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the shades of brown model <laughs> it's it's uh yeah it's not like maybe it's not meant for you but you know like it it works fine for me i'm not i'm not too upset about it i'm I'm coasting over here <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it looks it looks fine uh also too um when when you force it to run at 4k though on like the stadia i think i said to you right the uh so Stadia uses VP9, as we've talked about, and there is 4K support for a 4K stream. The issue is it's all software decoded on Mac OS because there's no hardware co- encoders for MacBooks. And so when I went ahead and I forced it to run in 4K, it looked great. The bitrate was actually really good. I honestly couldn't tell the difference between Destiny with a 4K stream versus um, Stadia's 4K stream. But my computer sounded like a gen engine. <laughs> Yeah, like if, if without that hardware decode, that's that's a very expensive. I was getting dropped frames, but not on the network side, but on the decoding side. Yeah, your CPU can't keep up with all the all the, all those frames that it has to decode uh, in CPU without, uh, like the GPU ex- like uh, without the hardware acceleration built in. That's that's. Come on, come on, Google. Use some codecs that are not your own and <laughs> make this like, yeah. Well, I mean, well, H.265 would probably be too network intensive. I know H.265 is pretty heavy in terms of like VP9 is a lighter codec in terms of file size, but they could use like Twitch. I think Twitch actually now switched over to AV1, right? If we look at the video stats, yeah. And the nice part about AV1 is that it gives you the low latency mode on Safari 2, whereas I think Mixer still uses VP9 for like their super low latency optimized mode, so you can't get that on Safari. So issues still abound. Uh, the the Stadia subreddit is still extremely. It's a it's a very strange place. Uh, I, I the Stadia subreddit is a it it's like it's like if the Samsung Knights decided to play video games. <laughs> I feel like this Samsung Knight is a recurring Shades of Brown meme. I guess I I think we actually need to explain this because I don't think anyone who listens to the show except for like two people listened back when we were like heavy in Google Plus. Yeah. So hey Jack. Hey Jack. Jack. <laughs> uh, but so uh, <laughs> what, what the Samsung Knights are is that there was a community on Google Plus called the Samsung Knights, and they would just go around trolling other people's posts, fanboying for Samsung. 
<laughs> yeah, they were like hardcore Samsung fans. Like they would buy like the the they would like pre-order like the Samsung phones, you know, like the the day it was available and shit like that, you know. Like they were like really into it. Like that's the one thing I could they they really like lived the fanboy life. Uh it's they really had that S twenty ultra drip. <laughs> I think at this point, though, I think at this point we should probably reel it in. We're going <laughs> we should wrap up because we're now going to devolve into memes. Uh, so let's wrap up. Uh, as always, uh, sh- you can find us on twoshadesofbrown.com. The show notes are going to be there. And as always, you can email us, contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. And you can find me on the Fediverse at PacketCat at 10forward.social and my website, southicsafe.com. And show us where the people find you on the internet. All right. Y'all can find me online at website, And you can find me on Mastodon where you can get more cursed posts at chosefine at chitter.xyz. All right. And with that, goodbye. Bye.